The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here is what Salt Lake's talking about. More candidates threw their hats in the ring yesterday while the school board preps for a war of words over educational equity. Executive producer Emily Means is here for a midweek news roundup. It's Tuesday, January 9th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Good morning, executive producer Emily Means. Happy Tuesday. Good morning, host Ali Vallarta. Glad to be here talking about the news with you. I know. Before we get into new news, I think we have to share a little bit of old news, which is on our Friday News Roundup, we talked about a Salt Lake County Council race. Mm -hmm. The battle for council member Dave Alvord's seat. He's the former mayor of South Jordan. He's a... He's Republican as heck. (laughs) Yeah, he's a a very divisive figure. He tends to put his foot in his mouth. And uh, he took his foot out to say, I won't be running for (laughs) re-election. Right, right, right. Well, and this seat was interesting to us in particular because State Senator Daniel Thatcher announced he's running for it. mm -hmm. He is leaving the legislature in the hopes of focusing on more localized issues at the county council level. And so, you know, I think we were kind of interested in, um, you know, a showdown (laughs) potentially between Daniel Thatcher and Dave Albert. And that is not what we're going to get. This is going to be a a vacant seat. Mm -hmm. So but that doesn't mean there couldn't still be fireworks. Dave Albert announced he's supporting Republican candidate Carlos Moreno over Daniel Thatcher. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of interesting. I don't know anything about uh, Carlos Moreno, but I guess we'll learn more about him as we get closer to the primary. Yeah. Anyway, in short, fare thee well, Councilmember Dave Alvord. In the words of Gwyneth Paltrow, I wish you well. (laughs) That's that's very nice. Maybe they'll make a musical about him. Who knows? Is it very nice? Okay. On that note, yesterday was the last day to declare your candidacy for a seat of office in the state of Utah. And many people did just that. Some of them you're like, is the strategy to wait to the last minute? So you like Mm -hmm. benefit from recency bias if you announce last? Or is it like up until the 11th hour deciding whether or not you want to run? I feel like it's a little bit of both. I think so. And, you know, it really is like waiting until the very last second. And I'm like, okay, can we just can we just be done with this process so we can wrap it up and move into the next phase of the election? Yeah, our show records a day early. So if you guys could please. (laughs) So yesterday we heard from Natalie Pinckney, who longtime listeners of this show know you've heard her before as a guest here. She is currently an at-large member of the South Salt Lake City Council, because don't forget, South Salt Lake is its own city. And in 2019, when she was elected to that seat, she became the youngest elected black woman in the state. 
Some of her greatest hits include establishing a financial empowerment center in South Salt Lake. And she's announced that she is getting in the race for a Salt Lake County Council at-large seat currently Mm -hmm. held by Jim Bradley. I'd, I'd gladly vote for Bradley was the campaign slogan that I feel like he cruised to election on. For, he, I mean, he's been in that seat. He, yeah, he is kind of a legend for a long, long time now. Um, but it's an at-large seat, so she'll need to win countywide. And currently, other candidates running for that seat include Deandra Brown, who we've discussed in previous episodes. Right. It's going to be a really interesting, I think, Democratic, like, convention decision mm-hmm. for who they put up. Mm-hmm. That's right. And there are Republicans also running for that seat. We've mentioned that these these seats on the county council can be more competitive than yeah. especially statewide offices here mm-hmm. in Utah. And so, I mean, I think that makes for a really interesting uh, election season, especially as we head into the primary um, and even beyond. I mean, in Utah, it's often the case that whoever wins the Republican primary uh, mm-hmm. will be the winner in the general election. But again, for these for these county level seats, um, the, the race is a little bit closer. So there's yeah. excitement all the way to the finish line. Yeah. And county council at large is so interesting because like these elections, if you watch them, can be a bit of a crystal ball for what's happening in statewide politics. Salt Lake County is home to a third of the state's population, but also like For a long time, it's been seen as, quote unquote, purple, like a little kind of mix of Democrats and Republicans. Like you kind of know the the hot spots for each party. Now, as the county grows, we're seeing a lot of growth in the south. Mm -hmm. And it just south Salt Lake County tends to be more conservative. Like if you're popular in Salt Lake City, that's amazing. You've also got to win over like Harriman and South Jordan. And and that like races in those places are so interesting because like with all things – We just can't make assumptions about where people are at, specifically, like, I would say mom voters, women voters, right? Those are places where, like, Biden maybe did better than expected. So we'll see. But, yeah. Who else caught your eye this week? I wanted to mention that longtime Salt Lake NAACP president Janetta Williams is running for state legislature. And she is a well-known racial justice activist here in Utah. And this seat is interesting to me, Allie. I believe it's House District 26, which is kind of the west side of Salt Lake County, includes parts of West Valley. Um, She thinks it's possible to flip this seat, which is Mm -hmm. currently held by Republican Matt McPherson. And uh, the reason why she thinks it's possible is because the last election was decided by just 127 votes, Allie. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty, pretty damn tight for a state legislative district. So yeah. um, I'm really interested to see what happens in that race. The West Side is where, like... Republicans should be worried if anywhere in in this county. I it is also interesting because Representative Matt McPherson was appointed kind of to that seat, like yeah. he was picked by delegates to replace someone who stepped down. So we don't know how popular he is really. Like he hasn't had yeah. an election yet there. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And I got to be honest, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know the name of the guy he replaced. But before that, a Democrat did hold this seat, and then after the last redistricting process, it's swapped over to a Republican. Mm, So is it still close? We'll see what happens in the general election. Yeah. Okay. One more that I have in terms of announcements that's interesting is we got a press release yesterday that says Caroline Gleick, who you 
maybe follow on Instagram is running for U.S. Senate. Caroline will be one of the Democrats running for the U.S. Senate seat currently held by none other than Mitt Romney. We've got John Curtis, current congressman from the 3rd District. We've got Brad Wilson, former Speaker of the Utah House. I mean, this is going to be a tough race. But if anyone has the stamina to do it, it's probably a 38-year-old woman who has summited Everest. <laughs> right, right. Like, Caroline Gleick, This she woman has stamina. That's her brand. Yeah. <laughs> she is an athlete. She's a mountaineer. Yep. And yeah, I mean, I was interested to see this too, Allie. I actually think there might be one other Democrat running for the seat, but Caroline is certainly the better known of the two. Yeah. Um, she has like 214-something and... thousand Instagram followers. Right, right. She hosts a podcast. Mm -hmm. um, she's a climate activist as well. So uh, I would be very interested to see what th the debates are like between potentially her if she wins in the in the primary election yeah. and uh, whoever her Republican opponent is. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised to see issues of our climate rise to the top in the race at the top of our ballot in Utah, a place that faces little but existential climate threats. But you've got like Brad Wilson, who was all over the lake, you know, in in his view, a lot of people would say he could have been way all more all over the lake. You've got John Curtis, who for a long time was kind of like and is still like the right. climate conscious Republican. Like, didn't yes. he found the climate caucus, yes. the Republican yes. climate caucus? Actually, when he ran, there were a lot of climate justice organizations in Utah that were very excited when he won in the third district, which, of course, is home to like bears ears. And, you know, and um, there was just this like there's just this feeling that on this issue, he has shown a lot of nonpartisan leadership mm -hmm. or bipartisan mm -hmm. leadership. Um, if I'm Caroline Gleick and I'm, you know, an ac a climate activist, it could be really fun to try and push him on some of that. Sure. Um, but I think what's really interesting about seeing, like, you know, responding to Mitt Romney saying we need a new generation of leaders, like specifically like Natalie Pinckney, Caroline Gleick announcing this week. These are two young women who know how to use media. And like when mm. you are a Democrat in Utah running, trying to pick up a lot of votes that you need to pick up. It is really important to be able to figure out how to get media attention. Like we even do it on this show. Like you just default to being like, it's a toughie. Like it's this is mm -hmm. a tough race. And these are women who know how to use social media. They're incredibly, incredibly savvy online. And that I think will make maybe some of this campaign communication interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, this is just the start of the yeah. 2024 election. So more to come from us. More to come, as we say. TK, TK, TK. TK, TK. <laughs> Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections... I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. 
Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. All right, Emily, on Thursday, January 11th, this Thursday, the state school board will be discussing repealing its educational equity rule, which just uh, sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> what? What's educational equity, Yeah, Allie? what is educational equity? <laughs> it's already a buzzword. Okay. Yeah. A little history lesson on this, courtesy of one of our favorite teachers, former teacher of the year, John Arthur. So... You might remember that the Department of Justice, federal, the federal gang, was investigating widespread racial harassment in Davis County schools. Davis County is the county just north of Salt Lake. It's home to like actually technically the city of North Salt Lake, Bountiful, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And what they found was pretty horrific. Um, Widespread bullying, um, use of the N-word among students very liberally, just had awful stuff. And of course, again, this is 2020, like uh, racial equity is what we're all talking about. Right. And very famously, one of the results of that bullying in the Davis County School District was the death by suicide of Izzy Tishner, a 10-year-old child who was bullied so extremely um, in a way that was racially motivated that she died by suicide. Horrific stuff. Um, And then on top of that, like one of the things that we know is that there are a lot of disparities in educational outcomes based on race in this state Mm -hmm. and all over the country. So in June 2021, the state school board of Utah unanimously passes something that they kind of are calling the educational equity rule. It's technically R277328, which sounds like a Star Wars character. Yep, a droid. <laughs> yeah. And it required a number of things, but it it basically had this clause that said every student deserves access to education that is equitable and that is does not discriminate based on a, a litany of things, including race, religion, disability, sexual orientation, et cetera. And it was considered a big win for the state school board to pass this ordinance. And it also required districts to provide professional training for educators so that they would feel empowered to enforce this notion of educational equity. Now, there are three members of the state school board who would like it to be considered for repeal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, in some ways, this is a Utah legislature story. It is. I was just going to say, Allie, it seems like there are some lawmakers. It doesn't seem like there are lawmakers hmm. pressuring the school board to overturn this rule. Mm-hmm. Um, there were two lawmakers 
Senator Mike Kennedy and Representative Tim Jimenez, who sent a letter to the school board saying that this educational equity rule is in conflict with a law that the legislature passed last year requiring everything in Utah schools to be consistent with certain principles of individual freedom. And basically, Mm -hmm. this is, you know, this feeling uh, that's happening nationally as well as here in the state. It's, It's it's the critical race theory boogeyman, right? Like yeah, it's culture this war. Is, it's a culture war. Yeah, it's a culture war issue. And so it's very interesting to me that these two lawmakers are, you know, flexing their muscles to get this rule repealed that is something that uh, that was widely supported by the school board, but also in line with what we've been working towards as a state since 2020, when Governor Gary Herbert, who was governor at the time, announced this uh, Utah Compact on Racial Equity, Diversity and Inclusion. So I think, Ali, this shows like how things have pivoted, how we've done a 180 in Mm -hmm. just a very short amount of time Mm -hmm. where we were headed down this path saying, you know, we recognize that racism is an issue here in our state and we want to do something about it. Um, And now, you know, we're headed in the complete opposite direction. And um, and unfortunately, this is impacting our our students here in the state as well. So, I mean, it's interesting to me because like the law, HB 427, public education curriculum requirements that the legislature is saying that it passed, that basically, you know, the case that they're making is like, well, we passed this law that says no mm-hmm. person should be subject to discrimination or adverse treatment solely or partly on the basis of the individual's race, color, national origin, religion, disability, sex, or sexual orientation. That covers it, y'all. Like, you don't need your little educational equity clause because it's covered by this legislation. Here's the problem. There is a term missing from HB 427 that is currently in the educational equity rule, and that is gender identity. So Hmm. Equality Utah sent a letter to members of the school board and said, hold up. Does this mean that trans students would be altogether unprotected from discrimination Hmm. in schools? (laughs) And we haven't heard that argument a lot in this conversation. And I think it's because people are people know how heated that debate can become. But it is being flagged by some activists. So Mm -hmm. that I mean, if the goal is to eliminate protection based on gender identity in our schools, that is sinister. Mm, mm, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, Allie. Um, and I guess that's probably because they didn't want me to think about it. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> right. Tinfoil hat on. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, just looking ahead, because the legislative session is about to start, um, the first day is next Tuesday, so a week from today. Um, Courtney Tanner from the Salt Lake Tribune just put out a story about the anti-diversity, equity, and inclusion bills. We can expect this session, a lot of them targeting public universities. We've also yeah. seen this rhetoric from Governor Spencer Cox, who... I think recently called diversity statements at universities evil or something Mm -hmm. like that. So this is a drum that the Utah legislature is going to continue to beat. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really know how this conversation ends here in this state.
No. And we don't know how this conversation ends this Thursday either. It's possible that the decision will be made not to repeal this law. Four members of the state school board voted to have a discussion about possibly repealing the educational equity rule. One member voted not to do that. That person is Sarah Real. And um, in a statement she gave during that meeting, she described the discussion as an irresponsible use of time that plays into conspiracies about our classrooms when there are so many other pressing matters that we could be discussing, like how about strategies to improve reading scores among our students? So we'll see how that plays out. If you feel strongly about this, you should reach out to your state school board member. They are districted seats, so you can look and see who represents you in your district. You can send them an email or give them a call. Um, if this conversation makes you feel away, you should get involved. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants. But the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments. So if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. Okay, Emily, on our Friday roundups, we do pick of the week, but it's not the end of the week yet. It's You're right. just <laughs> the beginning. We're just getting started. <laughs> so let's do some shout outs. I you want to go first? Do you have one? Nice way to start the week. I do have one. Um, I want to shout out the Second and Second Coalition. Mm. Um, this is a group of organizations, including the Methodist Church in Salt Lake City, Unsheltered Utah, and a couple of other organizations. And basically, they have been hosting um, an emergency shelter for uh, our unhoused community members here in Salt Lake City. So I actually volunteered there this past weekend while the state was in a code blue. Code blue means that it is so damn cold that uh, the Utah Department of Health and Human Services says we need to open more facilities to keep people safe overnight. Um, Uh Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, wanted wanted to shout out the coalition. They shelter 85 individuals a night. They feed them dinner, and it is a ton of work. It's a labor of love. Just about everyone there is a volunteer. So it's possible this week they may need more volunteers. I will put a link to where you can get that information and uh, sign up in the show notes. And shout out to them for doing good work. Yeah. And if volunteering is something you don't have time for necessarily, sometimes you can pop down to that Smith's downtown on Fifth South and grab. They always have nice little blanket bundles for sale for a good price. You Mm. can just grab a bunch of blankets and go over to the church at Second and Second and donate them. And that's a big help, too, because it's in the mornings when people leave, they like to send them off with some things to keep them warm. 
Right. Yep. What about you, Allie? My shout out today is to the 300 North Pedestrian Bridge. Uh, She technically opened in like October, December of last year, but I don't think that she has gotten her proper due. And I was just by her the other week and marveling at her glory. The 300 North Pedestrian Bridge bridge. connects um, basically – over the railroad tracks at 3rd North and about – it starts at about 5th West. It is beautiful. It is just a cute little architectural wonder. It looks like almost like some Lego men should be standing on top of it, like <laughs> jostling their arms. Um, I love this bridge. It, I love this bridge. <laughs> it is, you know – when I say I think to even call it a baby step is maybe too aggrandizing. It is a, a teeny tiny movement towards healing our historically racist <laughs> east-west divide in this city, making it easier to get down third north between the east and west side of Salt Lake. It has an elevator for people who use a wheelchair or who have their bikes that they want to take up and over the train tracks. It's beautiful. I love it. I want one of these basically on every street <laughs> along. Put a bridge everywhere. Do I mean, burying I, the rails would be more fun, but right, I'll take this right. pedestrian bridge until then. I've walked across this bridge before, and it is a great bridge. One time <laughs> uh, I, I was waiting for my lift ride, and it was on the other side of a stop train. A s- and yeah. uh, so I just walked across the bridge to get to my lift, and it was Easy peasy. And a delightful experience. So delightful. I love that it's very like old meets new. It's got the like kind of copper colored like metal like, hey, this is a working class town look of like a little steel crossing. But then it also has this like really shiny new elevator that's like, but also guess what? Let's get you up there. Um, What a thoughtful design. Yeah, I love it. I love this bridge. And uh, so shout out to the 300 North Pedestrian Bridge. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we are out of here. Executive producer Emily Means. Have a great day. Have a great day, Allie. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city.